mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Santa's mailbox is back. The Findlay Kiwanis have placed some special drop boxes around town with a direct connection to the North Pole. Also this morning, the online investment brokerage Robinhood became the latest data breach victim last week, proving that no platform is completely safe. So where does this leave consumers? An important deadline is approaching for those who get medical insurance through the healthcare.gov exchange. We'll have details. And in our ongoing Keeping the Faith series this morning, most families rarely read the Bible outside of church, but fewer families are attending church these days. You probably know where this is going. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. Today is Electronic Greeting Card Day. Electronic Greeting Card Day. Remember when that was all the rage of the early days of the internet? Oh, it was so cool to send an electronic greeting card. Whatever happened to those? Those, I mean, that, that was one thing. The one thing that did not catch on in the internet, those internet greeting cards, those electronic greeting cards, never really caught on. Homemade Bread Day today. It is International Students Day, National Baklava Day, love me some baklava, National Farm Joke Day, (laughs) National Farm Joke Day, Take a Hike Day, it is National Unfriend Day, good day to purge your friends list on Facebook and go out and unfriend all of those people that you don't really know or you don't really know that well, but over the years... You've added to your friends list and all of that. Just because you wanted your friends count to be up there. It'll be the highest friends count among all your friends. (laughs) And finally, maybe you've realized that that's not such a big deal. Doesn't uh, really indicate how popular of a person you are. It is uh, World Prematurity Day and World Peace Day today. So, reasons to uh, celebrate... And here is a reason to celebrate. The McDonald's Egg McMuffin is turning 50 years old. Did you know that? 50 years of Egg McMuffins and McDonald's is celebrating by offering the breakfast sandwich at a throwback price of 63 cents, which I guess was the price when it originally debuted. 63 cents. And uh, that will be tomorrow, not today. Don't go and ask for your 63-cent Egg McMuffin today. That will be tomorrow. And in order to get the deal, here's how it works. You have to have the McDonald's app. And uh, during breakfast hours on Thursday, you'll be able to order the sandwich at a special price for carry-out, drive-thru, or dine-in at participating locations on the app. So if you uh, want a cheap Egg McMuffin... That is how you get it tomorrow. So uh, big news there. One of it. By the way, speaking of uh, restaurants, fast food restaurants, the next time you go through the drive-through in California, you'll have to make sure that you ask for plastic utensils if you need them. Didn't they do this with straws a few years ago? Customers at restaurants in. I guess this isn't everywhere in California. This is in Los Angeles specifically. Uh, We'll now only get plastic utensils and napkins if they ask for them. 
There's a new city ordinance that takes effect Monday aiming to reduce waste. The rule requires all restaurants with more than 26 employees to remove all single-use plastic utensil dispensers. Businesses must also stop including plastic utensils and napkins with takeout orders or for dine-in meals unless a customer specifically asks for them. So it doesn't matter whether you dine-in or carry out, you will not get plastic utensils or napkins unless you ask for them. Uh, Enforcement will begin in January, and by April, the law will be expanded to include all food and beverage facilities of any size. So that's the deal in Los Angeles. Like I said, they did this with straws, didn't they, Uh, a while back? And I don't know how much it actually changed customer behavior, but I can understand the plastic utensil thing, but napkins? Really? Napkins? I mean... Is that uh, is that a huge problem? Napkin waste? I I guess it is. I I suppose. Um, but that's going to be I I can't imagine. Every time I go through the drive-through, if I don't get a napkin, then I'm in a foul mood. You know what I mean? That just just really hacks me off if I don't, <laughs> I reach in the bag and there's no napkin. Um. Because I, I never throw those out when I get when I get a to go order. I never end up throwing those out. I'll always save them. Um, so I don't know about the napkin part of it. I can understand the utensil part of it, but I'm not sure about the napkin. But anyway, that's the deal in Los Angeles. We'll see if it uh, catches on nationwide like the straw thing did. So Thanksgiving is uh, now just a week and a day away. Hard to believe. What Thanksgiving side dish is your favorite? Uh, Zipia did some research and found that mashed potatoes topped the list in the U.S. as the favorite Thanksgiving side dish. They broke this down state by state, and overall, nine states claim mashed potatoes as their number one favorite. When you put it all together, the numbers uh, would favor mashed potatoes, but it is tops of the list for nine states. Um. Second favorite side dish is rolls. Rolls. Four states. Uh, put that at top. Um, other top side dishes, glazed carrots, creamed corn, green beans, side salad uh, are all among the favorites. Deviled eggs. Gravy was not included as an option because you don't have gravy by itself. It's mashed potatoes and gravy or turkey and gravy. And it's... So, gravy was is not technically a side dish in and of itself. But, uh, ironically, on this list, we have found perhaps the one thing that people in Ohio and Michigan agree on. Green bean casserole is the most popular side dish in both states. So, here you go. And in Indiana, it's deviled eggs. is the only state where deviled eggs is the most popular. Side dish for Thanksgiving is Indiana. So we can all make fun of Indiana there, I guess, with respect to that. Uh, Speaking of Thanksgiving in San Francisco, here's another California story, uh, like the plastic utensil story in Los Angeles. In San Francisco, turkey ice cream is apparently a big hit. (laughs) 
<laughs> I read that and I said, well, that's just more evidence that Californians are weird. Uh, turkey ice cream, a big hit. The lines are long at the salt and straw shops. Uh, fans of the ice cream maker, which is actually based in Portland, but in San Francisco, that's where the biggest demand is for turkey ice cream. Uh, it is technically caramelized turkey and cranberry sauce ice cream. Features turkey bacon that is churned into a buttery brittle with thyme and pepper, it says. The limited Thanksgiving flavor uh is only one of the Thanksgiving flavors that they are offering. Parker House Rolls with salted buttercream. Sweet potato pie with double-baked almond streusel. And pumpkin and ginger snap pie. Apparently, these are all ice creams. That's, I'm not kidding about that. Would you? I, do you have any interest in... I don't even... I wouldn't even try that out of curiosity. Turkey ice cream. But apparently it's a big hit in San Francisco. But again, you know those people in San Francisco and California in general, they're just weird, I guess. And uh, finally, among the first things you need to know today, and this is a biggie. All hugs are not created equal. Let me repeat that. All hugs are not created equal. Psychologists in London have found that longer hugs between 5 and 10 seconds in length were considered more pleasant than very short hugs, lasting only about one second or so. And arm position does not really seem to matter. Unless you're grabbing someone's backside. (laughs) I've found that that matters a lot. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But you know what I'm saying here. Uh, researchers note the results suggest special care should be taken to avoid extremely brief hugs. So hug a little bit longer. They admit they do not know exactly when a hug becomes too long and awkward. That's not really uh, within the purview of their study. But uh, the finding could help design friendlier seeming robots, they say. As in the past, they have been evaluated less positively after giving hugs that are too short. (laughs) So I don't know that this is um, specifically related to uh, robots per se, but uh, the ideal hug, now you know, the ideal hug is between 5 and 10 seconds long. And I got to think, yeah, anything longer than 10 seconds is probably, and I would maybe even go a little bit shorter, about seven, I'd split the difference, about seven and a half seconds. Anything longer than that, it starts to become uncomfortable. But, uh, and I suppose it depends on how well you know the person. Uh, Because you go up to some random person on the street, a one second hug, or you're just greeting a casual acquaintance with a hug. Um, That's one thing. If you're greeting a long lost relative for Thanksgiving dinner, uh, then a one-second hug would be far too short, I'm thinking. So I, I would think there needs to be some context there. But according to the researchers, according to science, I'm going to be very scientific about this. A one-second hug is too short. Between five and ten seconds is ideal. Something to know as we are coming up on the holiday season. So there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. 
WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, mostly cloudy today with a high of 65. Showers possible tonight, a low of 40. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office has a homicide investigation on its hands. Investigators say a 59-year-old woman that was found dead in a house on Township Road 205, a little east of Findlay on Monday, suffered multiple gunshot wounds. The Sheriff's Office believes the shooting was an isolated incident and that there's no danger to the public. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is being assisted in the investigation by the Finley Police Department, the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation, and the Lucas County Coroner's Office. Get more on our website. The Maumee Watershed Conservancy District is receiving a more than $7 million grant to help pay for the replacement of the Norfolk Southern Railroad Bridge over the Blanchard River in Findlay. The replacement of the bridge has been one of the projects we've been working on for the last several years. This grant goes a long way towards getting that project completed. Project manager Steve Wilson says the enlarged opening will allow the Blanchard to flow more efficiently and will reduce the 100-year flood elevation by about a half foot immediately upstream. Get more on the project and other flood mitigation projects on our website. AEP Ohio is calling this week Utility Scam Awareness Week. So here's some things to keep in mind. Imposters will threaten to shut off your power unless you pay them right away. They'll also tell customers that you need a new electric meter. So you need to make a payment before that new meter is installed. That is a scam. And also you should never give out your account number. AEP Ohio says only make payments online or through the mail, phone, or at one of their authorized payment locations. Owen and Angela Ann reporting on our website. We have more tips to help you avoid those scammers. The City of Finley's leaf collection gets underway today and will run through December 3rd. The City will pick up leaves that have been placed in biodegradable paper bags at the curb. The City makes clear that plastic bags and loose leaves will not be picked up. City residents may continue to drop off leaves at the Green Waste site located at 330 North Quarry at no charge. The last day for the Green Waste site for the season will be December 4th. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Okay, so this has been known to happen from time to time. We apparently got our wires crossed with the folks at Kiwanis uh, because it was originally going to be our cover story this morning. We were talking about Santa's mailbox being back. Uh, It's sort of the reimagining of Santa's house uh, from last year because of the pandemic. They couldn't do that, so they came up with the idea of Santa's mailbox with special uh, mailboxes uh, placed throughout town where you can uh, kids can drop off their letters to Santa. And they're doing that again this year, the Finley Kiwanis. The uh, special mailboxes, uh, the direct link to the North Pole, are at Trends on Main, Smarty Pants Finley, and Coffee Amici. And uh, then the Kiwanians will make sure that they get those letters to Santa and help him and his elves write replies to your children. So uh, Santa's Mailbox starts this weekend. Look for the boxes around town and uh, will continue through December 12th. So that's kind of the long and short of it where we're going to talk about with the uh, folks at Kiwanis. So uh, check uh, check that out, Santa's Mailbox. Uh, I'll tell you who we do have here. Uh, Natalie Revit from the uh, Humane Society is uh, with us this morning. Hello. You were just kind of here hanging out anyway yeah, with Rex yes. over on uh, WKXA. So we were like, since we have an opening suddenly yeah. on the show, you want to yeah. hang out? You brought a bunny with you I today. I did. And, and I brought. I have Snowflake. She's almost about four years old. And I think probably Snowflake slipped a letter into that Santa because she was like, 
Let's get on the Chris Oak show. Yeah, there we go. We get on. Good mornings. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you actually have an inordinate number of uh, rabbits. We do. We have five rabbits at the Humane Society right now. Wow. Including Snowflake. That Um, is quite a few. Just yesterday, we had Snowflake. And then, <laughs> and you, well, you, that happens with rabbits. Yes, it you does. Have, you yes, have one, yes, and then you have does. many of them. Um, so, well, I think Chris, what happens sometimes is people don't realize the amount of care that goes into yeah. adopting a rabbit mm-hmm. because rabbits. I mean, they're so cute. You know, children, you, you children see rabbits in the store or babies, and it's like, oh my goodness, or at the so fair cute. or, or the something fair, like that, yeah, somewhere, and they are so cute. But you get them home, and it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of work. actually a lot of work. And they're social animals, they too. They are very They social. are not happy to just be cooped up in a pen that all is, the time. You are absolutely correct. They, they are very social they, animals. They are. They need to be out. They need to spend the majority of their time outside of their cage. And I don't mean like outside outdoors, just mm-hmm. like outside. They need to have a space where they can exercise. They need to be able to run if they so choose. And they do. And like, they will so choose. Yes. <laughs> and they kind of, ha- they're like acrobats. So they'll be like running, they'll have so much fun. And then they do like a little twist, like mm-hmm. their head goes one way and their legs yeah. go another. They get the zoomies. Yes, they do. And it's very cute. And that's how you know you have a really happy rabbit when yeah. they're doing that. Um, and, and now the, the upside to that is because they will socialize, they generally get along pretty well with most members of the family and even other pets. That is absolutely correct. And you just have to be sure to supervise. If you do bring a rabbit into your house, you just yes. have to supervise them with the other pets. Yeah, and and with uh, things like electrical cords that, yes. and cables and all of that because they do like to chew. Absolutely, because yeah. they absolutely love to chew. So yeah. they need to be provided with like an unlimited source of Timothy hay so that way they can constantly be chewing <laughs> if they desire. They they have like um, pet or rabbit friendly toys to chew on. Right. So those that yeah. would be appropriate for them. But yeah, they cannot be unsupervised, especially if they have the run of the house, because you're right, they will chew they on will cords. Chew. They, they'll dis- they and they'll do. disappear uh, because, yeah. you know, they will find little nooks and crannies <laughs> yes, everywhere. Yes, yes, I, I speak from experience in all of this. We've had uh, had rabbits, and Snowball knows we're talking about him. Yeah. Him, her? Her. Her. Yeah. Snowball knows we're talking about her. Yeah. Um, but you do have the rabbits uh, up do. for adoption, yeah. along with uh, a lot of other, you know, dogs, cats primarily. Yes, we have lots of dogs and cats. Um, we have two guinea pigs. And our resident hamster, Sneak. <laughs> but he's he just lives with us, and yeah, he's he's a good guy. So yeah, we are definitely uh, have plenty of animals to take care of. So if anyone's interested, we're still operating by appointment only. Now, mm. if someone just shows up at the shelter and we don't have any appointments, we'll let you on in. Okay. Um, but ideally, we would like people to fill out an application on our website, and that's just www.hancockhumanesociety.com. And we, Chris, we found that it actually helps us match people better mm-hmm. with the animals because we know what they're looking for coming in. Yeah. When you just walk in the shelter, it can be kind of overwhelming. I would imagine, Because yeah. there's just so many animals. Mm-hmm. Um, the dogs especially, they're just loud. They don't know who you are. They're right. barking and it's yeah. like, oh no, who, who should I pick? Mm-hmm. But we know their personality, so that's why we like the application a little bit better. <laughs> Take my eyes Snowball's off her for to, one Yep, second. she's ready to go exploring. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, you know, it brings up a, a good point. Again, we're talking about uh, Christmas, the Santa's mailbox and all of that. A lot of kids on their uh, wish list to Santa will ask for a new puppy or a new pet of some kind. It can be very tempting. We've talked about this before. Not always the best idea to adopt this time of year. Um, and especially not just plopping a pet under the tree. That's very correct. Uh, so what we do recommend to people, to families, if they if that's something that they want to do to get a pet for the holidays, we recommend getting, um, like wrapping up like a leash or collar, bowls, like mm-hmm. something indicating that you're, you're getting a pet. A, yes, mm-hmm. adopting a pet. And then make it a family experience because especially um, shelter pets, you, you just don't know. Are they going to be, you're just going to throw them into a new home? Yeah. They're, you're all strangers to them. So. Right. And and you actually require that everybody in the family we meet yes, the, the pet before uh, the adoption is complete. Yes, we do. And um, the way that we can kind of work around the child knowing is that people, people come in and say, oh, we're just visiting with these dogs or mm-hmm. these pets today mm-hmm. and then the children leave and then the adults come back and and adopt yeah so, so you can work around yes. that if there if you absolutely want it to be a surprise yes. you can you can work around that but it's a great idea wrapping up uh maybe the leash or the collar yes. yep. or even a stuffed animal yeah. that yeah. you know will uh, give the clue that we're getting a pet yes. um and and Again, we talk about it, it. We hate to discourage people from adopting, but this time of year may or may not be a real great time to do that because things are so hectic. Yeah, you're you've got. I mean, potentially lots of family coming over, sure. or you're doing traveling, so the new pet would be home alone for a bit, and mm-hmm. it's like, what's going on? Or hard to adjust to a new routine when you're not you're doing anything other than routine yes. this time of year. Yes, so that's something to be cognizant of there as absolutely well. Absolutely correct. Um, by the way, you mentioned uh, going to the uh, shelter under the guise of just visiting. Yes. Um, people actually do that. You actually have a lot of volunteers who uh, come in and help you help you care for the pets. We do. We do have some volunteers. Um, we haven't had as many since the pandemic. Sure. Because we did limit the amount of people in. Mm-hmm. We are hopeful to start getting our actual volunteer. We do still have volunteers, but our actual volunteer program up and running um, with by the new year so okay. to have more people come in so if you would like to you know if somebody has uh, the desire to volunteer you can always uh, you not only can you volunteer personally but you're always in need of stuff that to help correct. care for the yep. animals yep. we've got giving tuesday coming up yes we do um for so if you want to actually volunteer your time which is just as valuable as vol- volunteering um, your money or mm-hmm. items so you could just give us a call at 419-423-1664. Just express that you're interested in volunteering. Mm-hmm. We'll take your email and then send you a volunteer application. Awesome. Uh, for things, we are always in need of like bleach and paper towels. That's more so for the humans. But um, <laughs> the like bleach we use a lot. We use in sure. our, our laundry and paper towels. We wash our hands constantly. Right. But for the pets... They they go through a lot of toys, so dog toys, cat toys, mm-hmm. rabbit toys, hamster, yeah. um, guinea pig, things for them, and also dog treats. We go through a crazy amount of dog treats. The cats don't get as many treats because they tend to get a little bit plumper than the dogs, <laughs> like, straight away, so they're not supposed to have that many treats. Yeah. <laughs> 
but and, yeah. You but you actually have a, a list of uh, of things that you can we use yep, uh, right on, on the our website, website as, as yes, well. We so uh, you go to the Humane Society website if you're thinking of adopting. If you want to volunteer, uh, make a donation. This is a great time uh, yeah. for that. Uh, all of that information is uh, on the uh, website, as well as more information about all of the uh, pets you have. Including yes. Snowball? Snowball mm, up yes, there? Yes, yes, She's a cutie. Um, <laughs> again, Natalie Reffitt from the uh, Humane Society of Hancock County. Uh, thanks very much for uh, Thank dropping you. by. We appreciate yeah. it. Alarming news late last week, or uh, I guess early last week it was, that the online investment brokerage Robinhood, which has gained notoriety for shaking up Wall Street, got something of a shakeup of its own, becoming the latest victim of a data breach in which customer information was leaked to a hacker. It is a reminder that no platform is immune or completely safe. We are joined this morning by Bo Friedlander. He is co-host of the podcast What the Hack? And co-author of the book Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. And But what really makes you sit up and take notice on this one is the fact that this is a financial services platform, which is a category that uh, many consider to be among the most secure out there. And yet here we are. Well, good morning, Chris. And yeah, that is exactly right. It's supposed to be, well, Fort Knox is called Fort Knox, and we use it in everyday speech for a reason, because it's supposed to be secure. So you would think that your financial stuff would be completely safe. Not the case. And the big question then becomes, is this an issue uh, specifically with Robinhood? Because they have uh, had a number of controversial uh, – they've been in the news for, for controversial things uh, in the past um, – for for various folks who follow this know uh is this something that's unique to robin hood or is this something that is uh more concerning for the overall financial uh, services industry should we be worried about our banking should i be deleting my banking app from my phone well first chris i think no don't don't do that yet but but there is there is concern and there should be concern and it should be 24 7 for all of us because the fact of the matter is, everything is vulnerable. And, and the way that Robinhood got hacked is the most concerning part, okay? So what happened there was something called social engineering, which is a, is a fancy way of saying that a threat actor tricked someone at Robinhood into providing access. And that's all that happened. And that can happen anywhere. That can happen at Chase. That can happen at the, at the Pentagon uh, you know, they, they, they fish a person, they send them something that looks real, and a, a, a click is, a link is clicked, and that's it. Now, again, because this uh, trace, traces back to uh, the customer service uh, department of Robinhood, that, again, is one of those areas that has been a concern for Robinhood in the past. So maybe it's a little yeah. more likely to have happened there. But uh, as you said, uh, it can happen anywhere. And I think we just had a, a story or just saw a story um, uh, earlier about uh, the FBI uh, had uh, some sort of people were spoofing the FBI and sending out emails that uh, came from FBI servers. So, uh, again, it doesn't seem like any platform is immune. We can't assume that anything is safe because nothing appears to be safe. Well, and the other thing is that, that hackers are very good at studying their targets, and they'll come up with – we had a person on, on the What the Hack podcast 
uh, who well, it's an upcoming episode who who was uh, approached by a university to give a speech for several thousands of dollars, um, and it totally fit work that she already did. So it made sense, and uh, and she, and she was was all ready to do it. And it turned out it was a hacker just trying to get her social security number. Hmm. They really they really cased her. So so the the fact of the matter is um, they're they're very the the, the um, they're they're very very good at targeting people and 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 I got to tell you something Chris there's something more concerning here all of the emails that got leaked in the Robin Hood uh, compromise they're on the dark web right now which means that all of those people who were compromised are now very vulnerable for a phishing attack themselves an email from Robin Hood that says hey uh, there might be something wrong with your account. Click here. Or did you mean to send us two thousand dollars out? Click mm. here. Yeah, and and right. that's and that's part of the uh, one of the things that we wanted to bring up is that uh, from what we understand, it was it seems like pretty innocuous stuff that was leaked. Email addresses uh, was uh, kind of the extent of it. They made a big point to say yeah. that hey, uh, they didn't get account information, they didn't get social security numbers, they didn't get all of this you know real sensitive information, and yet email addresses. Are enough. You know, uh, your your first name and your address is enough for a good hacker. Uh, you know, they used to be called confidence men, and and the reason was they they gave they they <laughs> gave you a sense of confidence in them, and then you told them stuff, and that's all that's happening here. It's just gone online. So the moral of the story is that it's it, it's a reminder that we have to be proactive we always have to be alert and the timing of this too uh, serves as uh, an extra reminder with the holidays coming up uh, assuming again that nothing is safe becomes a because a lot of times nothing is safe no and you know my colleague and co-host on what the hack adam levin uh has a system he uses to to manage this for people and it's he calls it the three m's and and the first thing is to make yourself the small the smallest target you possibly can um you want to minimize your exposure to attack and the second is to monitor your accounts and that means you should set up transaction alerts on your phone and and you should Think about setting up credit freezes this time of year because there is a lot of activity around, you know, setting up uh, new credit accounts mm-hmm. that, um, you know, f- that are fraudulent. And, um, and you, can, you can easily monitor it by setting up uh, a- an account with any of the major credit uh, agencies that will tell you the minute someone tries to open an account. So that's the other thing. And then, and then the last one is to manage the damage. So if something does happen, you need to be very proactive. And, and you may find that a lot of people may find that the HR department where they work provides solutions to them or their insurance. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of help out there as long as you, you know, knock and the door will be answered. You bring up a good point that this is a big time of the year for people opening up uh, credit accounts or using uh, credit accounts that maybe they haven't uh, for a while. And so uh, it may not immediately be picked up as fraud by your uh, credit card company or your bank uh, when something like that happens because it's very common also very common this year as people are traveling and are out shopping that they're uh, on uh, guest wi-fi networks and uh, uh, places that they uh, don't normally log on that may not be and are li- are likely not as secure as uh, uh, as their uh, home network or their work network would be a hundred percent. I mean, 
anything that takes you out of your element, anything that puts you in an, a new situation or or a temporary situation like going to visit family could put you in, in, in harm's way. I mean, particularly using public Wi-Fi because you have to, you have to think of it, the old party lines, which some listen, most listeners won't know about, but there were, you know, back in the day, there was, yeah. I mean, Chris, you, you, yeah. So, so there may be somebody listening. Just think that always that, that, is just like someone can look over your shoulder and see what your password is if they're very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody could be just actually lurking on the connection you're using. And the other thing, come to think of it, is is when you're at, a, at an ATM or or a gas pump and and it's not a place that you're used to going to, where you would immediately notice something out of the ordinary. Mm. Take a second look because criminals do play skimmers in these yep. in these uh, credit card slots. That and that is, that's another way to get caught. That is still a thing. Uh, again, that seems relatively low tech compared to some of what we have seen since, but it's still yep. out there and it's out yep. there because it works. And you know, you bring up a, a point with the a party line thing it's worth mentioning that it's not just older folks again this is maybe the perception that we have that older folks are maybe more vulnerable because they're not as tech savvy but uh, the statistics show that younger people uh, are just as likely in some cases even more likely to fall for some of these scams so anybody can be impacted don't think that you're too smart for the scammers oh as a matter of fact my kids chris i'll tell you something they Click first and ask questions later. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's, not a good, it's not a good look. Yeah. So. A lot of things to keep in mind, uh, again, as we come up on the season, and especially uh, given what we saw just a week or so ago with uh, Robin Hood becoming the latest uh, data breach victim. It's just another reminder that uh, it can happen anytime, anywhere, on any platform. Again, Bo Friedlander is co-host of the podcast, What the Hack, co-author of the book Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. We've got a link up on our web page for more information about the book and the podcast. Bo, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Chris. We have talked quite a bit over the past few weeks about the Medicare enrollment deadline that is now less than a month away. There is another healthcare related deadline that is just as important, that for open enrollment for the marketplace at healthcare.gov. Chiquita brooks Lashure is administrator for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services with us on the line this morning. And this is, of course, what's commonly called the Obamacare exchange. What are the important dates for enrolling in health coverage for 2022 on healthcare.gov? The important dates for people to know who want to look for coverage on healthcare.gov is that if you look and enroll by December 15th, your coverage will start on January 1st. If you feel like you need a little more time, enroll by January 15th, and your coverage will start on February 1st. Okay, so uh, those are the dates to remember. What is new uh, for 2022? Just like uh, everything else in healthcare, there are changes, there are uh, things that are different or unique. What do people need to know heading into 2022? Thanks to a new law, the American Rescue Plan, coverage is more affordable than ever. There are more choices and more options for people and families to choose from. What we're finding is that four out of five people are coming to healthcare.gov and finding a plan available to them for a premium of $10 or less per month. 
So, so many choices, and we encourage everyone who needs health care coverage to take a look. And you mentioned that uh, is partly because of the uh, funding of the American Rescue Plan was actually one of the questions that I wanted to ask because I know last year we talked that there was additional financial assistance available, expanded financial uh, assistance for some customers. um, And that was the question, does that continue into the next year? It sure does. So the coverage continues. Uh, the and uh, the financial help is better than ever. So just to give a couple of examples in your area, in Ohio, a single woman who's 30 years old making about $34,000 a month can find four plans available for $100 or less. Family of four at uh, fa- uh, where the parents are uh, 40 years old making 66000 they can find the same number of plans for $100 or less per month. And so we really encourage people to take a look. The American Rescue Plan has made it much more affordable for people to buy coverage. And there's never been a more important time to make sure that you and your family has health care coverage than right now. Now, this is something that we talk about with Medicare, with uh, private insurance plans, uh, to go through and and check on your coverages uh, every year when this time uh, comes around. Much okay. the same here. If you uh, purchase coverage through healthcare.gov last year, can be very tempting to just say, well, we're going to roll that over into the next year and just stay with what we've got. Why is it a good idea to go through the whole process again. You are exactly right. That just like with Medicare, everyone should take a look and look at the website, even if they're already incur- in- enrolled in coverage. And that's because every year we're getting new plans on the website. So people may find a plan that works just a little better for them. Uh, they may find that they have more plans available at lower cost. And if you need any kind of assistance in in getting help to enroll, you can go to, on our website, localhelp.healthcare.gov. You can call um, our number, 1-800-318-2596, and talk to a, a representative. There are just so many opportunities here to take a look and see whether there's a change you want to make. And if after that you want to stay in your plan, that that's totally fine. Yeah, I was going to mention because all of this can be uh, rather confusing and there are an awful lot of options uh, out there, you do have assistance uh, either at the uh, national level of the, uh, the through the website or uh, for individuals within their own communities. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sometimes you just want someone else to give you a little bit of assistance um, and help talk you through it and so it could it could easily be someone who lives in the area who can talk you through what your options are and help you evaluate them and one other uh question and make sure that we clarify this uh i know again last year there was an expanded enrollment period and some folks may have signed up at healthcare.gov in the middle of the year This enrollment period applies to those individuals as well, even if they haven't been covered for a full year yet. That's right. Now is the time to re-enroll, to take a look. 
this is enrollment for January 1 for next year in 2022. And you probably can stay in your plan if you want. Yeah. But it's so important to take a look and see if there's a better option. Yeah, for give you. it give it a good once over. And with respect to that financial assistance that we referred to, is there a separate uh, application process or a separate process that you have to go through, or is that included in the overall enrollment process? It's part of your enrollment in healthcare.gov. Okay. So if you go to the website, you um, fill out your information and you'll find out whether you qualify for uh, financial assistance. More people, because of the American Rescue Plan, qualify for financial assistance, and you can do it all through the website. So it's uh, all seamless rolled into one. Again, uh, Shakita Brooks Lashur, Administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And again, the uh, deadline, the big date to remember, if you want to make sure that you have coverage uh, starting on Jan 1, is December 15th, right? That's right. All right. We'll get that linked up at our webpage. Thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. So this, uh, I guess, was more tempting than porridge. Um... John Holden, Sierra Madre, California, recently arrived at his home to find a mother bear waiting for him outside his front door, (laughs) just sitting there on the porch, wanting to be let in. I don't know. Uh, He sprinted right past Mama Bear to get into his home as he says he was concerned for his pet's safety, although he admits that that probably wasn't the wisest course of action. <laughs> when he got to his kitchen, this is where the story really gets crazy. When he got to his kitchen, he found a bear cub eating a bucket of KFC on the counter, while another cub was tearing through the rest of the house. So now you know why Mama Bear was sitting on the porch, apparently just waiting for the kids uh, to be done. Isn't there a fairy tale about this? <laughs> With the porridge and... Too hot, too cold, just right? I don't... Uh, he also realized, when he got inside and found the bear cubs, that his dog and his parakeet were both missing. He said he made a lot of noise to scare the cubs out of the house. They went back outside to their mother after a few minutes. Mr. Holden also later was able to find his dog, Woody, who had managed to flee the house when the cubs got in and was uh, corralled by a neighbor. The parakeet, however, was not found. (laughs) So apparently the parakeet was not as lucky as the dog. But that's crazy. How do the cubs get in and Mama Bear is just out there? I guess she was the lookout. (laughs) You go in and eat. I'll stay out here and make sure nobody comes over. Weird. Crazy experience. Uh, Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, one man's cure for boredom during the lockdown really has caused a stir with his neighbors. A man who lives in western Sydney, Australia, built a fence around his backyard. But not just any fence. This is a 19-foot fence around his backyard. His neighbors have complained to the local council saying that that their view uh, has, has been blocked. 
Uh, not only can they not see into the neighbor's backyard, no big deal, but they can't see anything else either. Their view is entirely blocked. It's 19 feet tall. The fence has been dubbed the Great Wall of Chester Hill. <laughs> uh, and the uh, man who built it, Ali is his name. That's the only, I just have his uh, first name. He said it was a combination of needing more privacy and lockdown-induced boredom <laughs> that inspired him to build it. His neighbors claim their complaints have fallen on deaf ears. The Cumberland Council uh, says that it is taking enforcement action against Ali and his 19-foot fence. <laughs> All kinds of weird in this story out of Southern California, not just because it's in Southern California. A DoorDash driver uh, was caught on surveillance video. Uh, doing something nasty in the uh, lobby of a building after dropping off an order. The uh, building's manager is investigating a resident's complaint of uh, <clears throat> human waste all over the lobby. And when he checked the surveillance video, he was shocked to see a delivery driver using a trash can in her building's lobby to take a dump. Uh, <laughs> the, the building manager says, what I saw, I could not unsee. Uh, I was flabbergasted at what I saw. Lisa Stanley uh, is uh, the DoorDash customer. She just uh, says she just let it go. You know what they say? When you got to go, you got to go. And I guess she had to go. That's weird. Um, <laughs> are, are there not restrooms in the lobby? I don't know. It's weird. Uh DoorDash officials have noted that the driver associated with the incident is no longer able to deliver for DoorDash. And the company refunded the cost of the order to the person <laughs> the person who originally placed the order is the least they can do, I guess. California man is current speaking of uh, uh, online delivery services. This is weird. A California man is currently in a days long standoff with an Amazon truck. Uh, the man who goes by the Twitter handle, Captain Lou, sent out a tweet on Saturday alerting the company that their truck had been abandoned in his driveway. And uh, he asked the Twitterverse, how much time needs to pass before I can try and start the delivery truck uh, that was abandoned in my driveway last night? Or when does it become mine? <laughs> when is, possession is nine tenths of the law. So when is this my delivery truck? Uh, speaking with... Uh, Motherboard, Lou said that the rogue truck, which was a white sprinter that is typically used by third-party contractors working on behalf of Amazon, was left after the driver made a delivery of toilet paper to his house. He had made just he had ordered something from Amazon. It was delivered, but the truck stayed there. Uh, so it was a shock when he exited his home, saw the truck still in the driveway, but the driver and all the packages gone. Uh, and yes, the keys were left in the truck. He said he's tried to contact Amazon, and after getting a bit of a runaround, he was told to call authorities to have the vehicle towed. But Lou has a different plan in mind. He just uh, wants to kind of see what happens. <laughs> how long it could stay there before the owner comes back for it. How long, he said, how long is it going to take them to figure out that they have a delivery truck that's just sitting somewhere? <laughs> stay tuned. The saga continues. <laughs> And finally, in the broken news report this morning, you remember yesterday we mentioned that uh, police officers never know what they're going to get into when they get a call. And uh, TSA officers uh, is kind of the same thing. 
A Minnesota man is in custody after he allegedly threatened TSA workers at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport and then swung the line post, you know, the uh, post they have to, you know, the queue line. And they, so he picked up one of those posts and started swinging it in the air and then threw it at the TSA agents and then took his clothes off and started uh, <clears throat> pleasuring himself. Where's I? And why did he do this, you might ask? Because it's a free country. <laughs> That's what he said. 44-year-old Frank Towers allegedly told one TSA employee that he was going to kill them. And that's when officers gave him commands to stop and move away from the checkpoint, which he ignored. After being tased, Towers then swung his arms above his head in an attempt to hit an officer. Backup officers took Mr. Towers into custody while he continued to fight with them. Uh, Prior to the checkpoint incident, surveillance video footage allegedly shows uh, Mr. Towers punching and headbutting TV screens at the airport before removing his clothes and, you know, doing what he was doing. Mr. Towers has been charged with fourth-degree assault against a police officer, as well as making threats of violence with reckless disregard. Both are felonies. He also has at least three charges in other criminal cases still pending involving domestic assault. This guy is a real winner. And why did he do all this? Because it's a free country. I think he's going to find out that it's a whole lot less free for him. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This is it's weird what TSA agents have to deal with. That's just amazing. Uh, today's uh, update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. We're more than a ringing bell and red kettle for your change. We're committed to doing the most good all year round. The Finley Salvation Army. This is Major Mike Morales, and we have a long history of serving Hancock County families, not only with meals, presents, and other Christmas time assistance, but summer camp for underprivileged kids, emergency financial aid, music and arts programs, and much more. You can help us with a donation of funds or goods or your volunteer time. Get in touch with us at the Finley Corps of the Salvation Army. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Again, building on what we were talking about a little bit earlier with the idea of uh, data breaches now are everywhere. you got to be really careful, especially this time of year. If it seems like your cell phone has been ringing nonstop with robocalls and other scams, it's not your imagination. A new survey shows Americans are targeted by scams nearly 30 times a month. So an average of once a day. This uh, poll of 2,000 Americans was sponsored by the uh, company ScamSpotter shows that the average person gets hit with 10 scam emails, 9 phone calls, and 8 phishing texts every month. The survey also notes that 46% of those polled have lost money due to a scam, and the average respondent has fallen for some swindle or other uh, scam five times in their lifetime, losing an average of more than $500 in the process. Which also brings up the point, if you are a victim, don't be embarrassed or afraid to, uh, to say something and, and speak up and report this because you are not alone. 37% said that they didn't have time to think through the scam before falling for it, and that is so common. Uh, that said, people do have a decent nose for 
the shady stuff, thanks to how obvious some of the scams are. For example, 34% have been told by a robocall that there was a warrant for their arrest in a state they've never visited. So that's always a dead giveaway. 30% have been told they had to bail out a relative who is in prison. Uh, 26% were asked uh, to pay outstanding taxes by using gift cards. That is always a scam. Always, always, always. That is never legitimate. One in five people said that they had laughed off a scammer poorly impersonating a friend or relative. 73% of those would-be targets say they have tried to turn the tables on a uh, scammer. Uh, 37% say they have pretended to fall for whatever the scam is. Uh, They've kind of played dumb just to see what would happen until the scammer gives up in frustration. (laughs) That's always fun. If you can, if you can do it, I just, I don't have the patience to do that. I just hang up, but I suppose 37% have played along knowing that it was a scam uh, just to see what would happen. The poll also notes that after getting the scammers off their back, respondents are quick to warn their friends and relatives, particularly elderly ones, so they don't fall for it, which is always a good thing. But again, as we were mentioning earlier, it's not just elderly folks who fall for this. The statistics show that young people are just as likely and in some cases lose even more money the scams that they fall for. So again, it's uh it's just out there. It is a ubiquitous part of this tech connected life that we have and we have to be cognizant of it. And now time once again for our ongoing Keeping the Faith series. You know, most Americans do not read the Bible on a regular basis. Surveys have uh, shown, uh, shown this. We uh, generally just don't read the Bible as casual reading material. And many people never read the Bible except when they are in church. But now, especially with COVID-19, church attendance has been dropping So you can probably figure out where we're going with this. Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith. Veteran Bible teacher Michael Grady is the author of a two-book series, Making God Part of Your Family, to encourage Americans to spend more time in the Word. It seems to be decreasing substantially over the years, and the churches don't seem to be teaching it the way they did when I was growing up. And there's not the emphasis, I believe, they're questioning whether there's truth in the Bible. Grady says usually in times of trouble in the past, Americans turn to the Bible. But lately, even amid COVID-19, that's not happening. When 2001, we had the 9-11, we turned to God. It looked like maybe to a lesser degree in 2008. And I've heard little as I've ever heard as a result of this virus of people turning to God and looking to Him for the answers to for the healing and for the prayer and to come up with answers of why it's all happening. You would think it would turn to the Bible, but it, I've not seen any of that. Many know praying as a family is good. So should time together in the Bible. I believe it pulls the family together. It gives them an opportunity to discuss subjects that occur. I, I believe even in the Old Testament stories, which is my emphasis, is that they're telling us how to live our daily lives and how relevant they are because people are people and they've not changed and people made the same mistakes back then as they are now. And I believe God provided those messages to us in those Old Testament stories to how to live today. There are those who feel the Bible is confusing, outdated, 
and not germane to the modern-day world. Grady says making God part of your family will change that opinion, especially when you have a better understanding of the Old Testament. I believe that the Old Testament is the basis for everything. It begins, uh, the plan of God's plan of salvation began in Genesis. And I think it helps to reveal that to us of what God wanted us to do, how he wanted us to live, and to know that he was taking care of us in the end. What about those who say they don't understand the Bible or that it's boring? Oh, that's actually the basis of why I wrote the book. Uh, People, I found out why they didn't read the Bible, and the answers I got was they didn't understand it, it was boring, and they didn't think the Old Testament was relevant. So my book has tried to steer that away a little bit by making each of the stories more conversational, easier to understand, more engaging, and pointing out how relevant they are to our daily lives and to our eternity. In Making God Part of Your Family, Grady has retold the stories from the Old Testament in concise, thought-provoking doses to stimulate family discussions, keeping them straightforward enough for children to understand, yet deep enough for parents to discover their purpose. You begin to look at the plan that God laid out in those stories and how they were prophetic and portraits of what was to come in the future, leave it change your mind. And that was the primary emphasis that I had in presenting the book was to teach them and share with them that this is something we could depend on and rely on. Sometimes it takes faith. uh, And when that faith becomes evidence and that evidence becomes reality in the future. Grady, who has taught the Bible for 30 years, believe there'll be a better understanding of the stories in the Bible if you wrote Making God Part of Your Family in story form. I go through each of the stories of the Old Testament and trying to in trying to make it a little more engaging and less boring. I leave out some of the, the details of so-and-so begets so-and-so and some of those letters, but I try to do it in story form. But I, I call it a Bible study in story form because I think it's easier for us to understand. And I think if we ask questions during the middle of it, even if you stray off topic, you're discussing the Bible, and it works. Here's how to get in touch with Michael Grady, author of the two-part series, Making God Part of Your Family, that will soon be a third in the series. MichaelGrady.org, that you can find out more about the ministry and the books themselves. So that's www.michaelgrady.org. This is John Clemens reporting. And that will finish off our podcast for today. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, they say that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. But the Norfolk Southern Railroad Bridge has been the weak link in Findlay's flood mitigation chain. Now, thanks to a federal grant, it appears that weak link finally be addressed and we'll take a closer look at the entire plan until tomorrow morning that is good mornings for this morning now that you've had a good morning going out making a good day catch you back here tomorrow